Hello, this is Alex Romanovich, and welcome to our next edition of Global Edge Talk. Today, we're with Gil Pitasil from Bali. Of course, he is a world citizen. He will tell us more about where he is, uh, typically. But, of course, we're in the midst of COVID pandemic, and he will tell us about uh, his selection for the destination. But let me do a very quick introduction, because... This is a very interesting individual, very accomplished. Uh, Gil Pitasil is an international expert on business strategy, effective networking mastermind methodology. He is a passionate student of human networking. He co-owns seven international businesses. He is a leading regional partner for Tony Robbins. Remember him, Tony is still going strong. Love Tony, we'll talk about Tony as well. Gil is a visiting professor at multiple global universities. We'll talk more about this. He is a book writer and author of a book called New Code of Networking, which is going to be fascinating to talk about. Best-selling author. And I guess we'll talk more about if there are any other books that are coming down the pike as well. Is a serial entrepreneur with 200-plus mentored companies and continuing. And he is an amazing presenter. He presented at over 1,000 events, completed 150 interviews. This is going to be one of those interviews, and we'll talk a lot about Gil. Gil, welcome to our studio. Hey, Alex. Thanks a lot for having me. So first of all, how's the weather in Bali? And let's talk a little bit about, about your selection for this destination. Well, the weather in Bali is always incredible. Sky is blue, uh, a few clouds that are up there are beautiful and white. I'm looking at palm trees right in front of me. I have a swimming pool outside of the office. And I got two running rivers within, uh, you know, 100 uh, meters away from where I'm sitting right now. So I really can't complain, to be honest. So it's a disaster of a location, I guess. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I, I, um, I'm really grateful that my family and I made the decision to stay here when COVID hit the world because... Uh, what I'm told right now is this is Bali like it was 30 years ago, which is pretty much empty. No traffic, not too many people. It went from millions of tourists coming here regularly and having hundreds of thousands of people on the streets to literally having thousands of foreigners actually being stuck here in total, incredible. which is quite unique situation to be in. Yeah, incredible. Uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about a little bit about digital nomads. Uh, you being one of them, of course, and uh, a lot of very interesting countries and destinations that are offering now all kinds of incentives for people to come and live through this pandemic with them. Uh, by the way, we're not recording video uh, for this particular uh, interview, but we will be asking you to send us plenty of pictures and maybe even a short video uh, that you make you can make locally. But uh, let's talk about your uh, where it all started, right? And let's talk a little little bit about your early years, how you became an entrepreneur, what sort of inspired you, and what precipitated you to begin this very interesting career. So, you know, entrepreneurship for me started at a very young age. At the age of 13, um, I was very much inspired by having money in my pocket to buy things. Uh, it, it, it was very, very simple. At the age of 13, I just wanted to buy crap, whether it was candies, whether it was random toys, I just wanted to buy things. And I came from a very, very simple, humble family. You know, my father is, was a carpenter, still is. 
my mom was a stay-at-home kind of mother and uh, wonderful life that they gave us, but we didn't really have much money and I couldn't really get everything I wanted. Like most kids, they can't usually can't get everything they wanted. So um, I, I kind of, I don't know how it really came about, but at one stage I told my dad I wanted to make more money and it, it, there was a very, very simple opportunity to uh, buy a small space in a shopping mall uh, Christmas expo. And I told my dad I'd like to sit here over the week and uh, it was during Christmas um, vacation and I'd like to sell something. And, you know, I was 13 years old and my dad is like, all right, let's find something you like. And we ended up finding some audio cassettes. If you remember those, most of your viewers maybe never even seen an audio cassette. I don't know. Maybe they have. Um, but, you know, I was selling audio cassettes and that was kind of fun. We were selling audio cassettes for holiday songs. And uh, in that one week, I made more money than my dad made for over one month. And uh, that was kind of, it triggered something. It triggered something that in me that suddenly I had money in my pocket. I felt like a man. I felt like empowered. And uh, that stuck with me. And even though I had jobs until the age of 30, um, I always had a side gig. I always had something on the side, whether it was selling hats, whether it was having a side restaurant, whether it was having juice bars, whether it was selling jewelry, whatever it really was, I always had a side gig, something that I was doing on the side to make me extra money outside of the job that gave me some stability. And that never really left my blood, even though, you know, I don't like my dad is an entrepreneur in the family, but he's really had one main business his whole life. And that didn't really go well. So, you know, I don't really have entrepreneurship in my family, or at least this kind of perseverance to not give up if you fail. Uh, but I learned a lot from, uh, you know, my dad to not give up. You know, my dad didn't give up, even though his business was failing again and again and again and again. Uh, and then, unfortunately, his body gave up and he had a stroke. And that was a really difficult time in his life. And I, I learned a lot from that as well, that as an entrepreneur, you can go through a lot of stress. Uh, but you need to learn how to manage it. You need to learn how to not worry about the little things. You need to know how to brush things off your shoulders and how to forgive people very quickly and how to just let go of not being a perfectionist, which I've been for a lot of my life. I think there's a great pieces of advice you're giving our audience, but something just piqued my interest. You said that you did a lot with a lot of different projects. You had a lot of different uh, side gigs. And that gave you stability. You know, there's a, a notion there that entrepreneurship is about doing different things, right? Uh, people actually call other people entrepreneurs when they notice that they, they're involved in different things, different projects, you know, side, side gigs and so forth and so on. Versus one steady job that in the past would give you stability, Right. So mm. you said something really interesting that the true stability is in a diversity of different projects and different things you're doing versus in doing something, you know, uh, you know, doing something one time or, or, or attaching yourself to one particular job. So is it true that entrepreneurs um, are always involved with multiple projects or can you be an entrepreneur working for one particular uh, company or doing one particular thing? 
So I, you know, it's a really great question because a lot of my mentors over the years always said to me, Gil, focus, 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 you know, because over the last 20 plus years, I've had 27 different companies. Um, and uh, the stability for me came from being able to have multiple revenue streams. And I, I know many successful entrepreneurs who are doing millions or even hundreds of millions of dollars. And they've had this one company they've been focused on and it's just been growing and growing and growing. Is that an entrepreneur? They call themselves an entrepreneur because they're a business owner and maybe they have some side investments. But personally, for me, that's not really an entrepreneur. I think for me, an entrepreneur is not someone who's necessarily taking one business and stably growing it and growing into a corporation. An entrepreneur is really someone who's identifying problems out there in the world, who talks to a lot of different people and finds out what challenges are they having and they're looking for solutions. And an entrepreneur is someone who gets passionate about finding this other solution. He doesn't mind the adventures. He doesn't mind some risk. He doesn't mind diversification because that's what gets his blood going. To me, at least, that's an entrepreneur. But I guess that's just my opinion because that's what's been driving me. It's, it's being able to fail in one thing, but not call it a failure. I call it a successful failure because I'm like, well, the fact that I learned so much about how not to make like mistakes in juice bars I suddenly became a consultant for one of the biggest juice bar companies in, in the world. That was interesting. Wow, I had some really interesting successful failures in a restaurant, but now I understand the ins and outs of how restaurants really work. And I appreciate restaurants both back end and front end. And you tend to develop these senses as an entrepreneur by going through these successful failures. So I think for me, diversification does, at least for me, create some sort of a stability because I'm able to a little bit balance myself, not on just one thing, but on a couple of things. But again, that's just me. Well, as, uh, as our pandemic is proving globally, uh, people who have a certain level of diversity and can actually do different things uh, are probably better off than uh, people who are working for a large company and all of a sudden they, they wake up tomorrow and they don't have a job. And, and, and not only they don't have a job, at a current company, they have a very difficult time finding a job in the new company because nobody's hiring. As a matter of fact, everybody is firing or everybody's laying off. So um, I'm in agreement with you that having that level of diversity and having a side gig, a side skill, a side uh, passion, if you will, your ability to quickly turn on the dime and deliver something of value in a totally different area is going to give you a lot more a lot more stability now than when you know in comparison to when the things are really nice and steady and stable and so forth. Um, yeah, one hundred percent, Alex. I, I resonate with that so much because you know a lot of my clients these days, especially, are people who have you know they've made a very successful career for themselves. They were making half a million, a million dollars a year in a good job, and they were happy and stable, and they had. Their insurance paid for and medical paid for and salaries paid on time. But suddenly with such situations happen in the world, and it's not the first time and it's not the last time, and suddenly nothing is in your control. Suddenly you don't have a grasp on your own life because you haven't developed skills of adaptation. You haven't developed skills of dealing with a crisis. You haven't developed skills of you know, developing these kind of senses where you like, you see, well, 
well, whatever pandemic happens, there's still, you know, billions of people all around me and most of them have some kind of a problem. What skills do I have right now that could solve those problems? And if you, you, if you go through life trying to develop these skills, whatever the universe brings at us, and the universe is going to bring a lot more than just COVID at us in you know, the next 5, 10, 30 years, um, we need to be ready for that. So I'm not saying that having a job is bad. I'm saying that having one job for too long where you get too comfortable I believe is not human enough. I believe that as humans, we must work our bodies. Our bodies must be flexible. Our spine must be flexible. That's why working out or dancing or yoga, whatever people want to do to get their body working out is the same thing as now you've got to work out your mind and you've got to study different things and adjust yourself and pick up new skills and pick up new talents as you go through life. Because whenever, you know, life itself throws you into the deep end, suddenly you got another skill that can, you know, help your family eat that night or help your family make sure your kids go to a good school or make sure you buy your kids a new computer so they can study from home. Because imagine how many kids suddenly had to study from home around the world and most of them didn't have computers and they're studying from a little phone. And most of them didn't even have a phone. They have to take their, their parents' phone. And I'm meeting people here in Bali like, We've given out, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars through a lot of charity movements that we've had in the last few months. And it was amazing that some people wanted food, but many wanted just a phone so they can be connected to the world and they can learn something new. So I think as entrepreneurs, we're here to serve the world. And I think that everyone should awaken a little bit that entrepreneurial spirit they might have inside of them. And it's not necessarily go and set up your own business. But maybe go be around some entrepreneurs. Go be around an entrepreneurial environment. Go and work with an entrepreneur. So let's talk a little, little bit about entrepreneurship and uh, specifically about your uh, partnership with Tony Robbins. Um, I've visited uh, Tony's uh, sessions in the past, a long, long time ago. As a matter of fact, I, I brought, uh, when I was a head of uh, uh, business development and marketing for one company, I uh brought 25 to 30 engineers and uh, nice. uh other folks like that with me and they were kicking and screaming they, they thought it was total bullshit they thought it was hey you know this is for salespeople. this is so fluffy this is so bad this is not something we want to do after three days of being in the session and he actually walking on coals and going mm. through this, this entire coal thing and listening to tony they all came away and saying alex this was the greatest thing since we don't know what. Uh, and these are geeks. These are people that don't believe in this kind of stuff. Um, what was your experience with Tony? How did you partner with him? Um, what are some of the incredible stories you can tell us about your affiliation with Tony Robbins? So that's a really, first of all, it's a wonderful story. Thank you, Alex. I really, really resonate with that because Tony came into my life about 20 years ago, 23 years ago now, when I was sitting in Toronto, Canada, in front of my computer, I was uh, the head of operations of a fulfillment and warehousing company. And I was just working late one night and I was on, on the web and uh, an advertising came with Tony Robbins to, to buy his uh, CDs. And I don't know, something just clicked with me and I kind of felt like, you know, Maybe personal development and self-help was something I wanted at that stage of my life. I was uh, 19 years old and um, I bought the CDs 
I'm a little bit ashamed to say this, but I've already said this to Tony and he was laughing, but I took advantage of the 30-day money-back guarantee. And I, I thought maybe this is not for me. I listened to it one time. It's not for me, but I did something a little bit legal. I copied those CDs and then I returned them. And again, I said the whole thing to Tony. Tony forgave me himself. So I've already paid him back, I think, uh, you know, a thousand timefold, maybe much more. Um, and then, you know, over the, those years, I've, every once in a while, I listened to those CDs again. I, it kind of came into my life. Tony was kind of in and out of my life, but never really fully in. And uh, about nine years ago, uh, my wife and I, back then, she was my girlfriend. We're going through a very difficult time. I had nine companies at the time. But uh, again, being, having nine companies and being in your early 30s, not having the right structure, not having the right team, not having the right experience, you know I was making a lot of mistakes. You know I was like not thinking about cash flow. You know I was more excited about the opportunity in the future of making millions and not making sure that I have enough money to pay rent. And yes, that day came when I'm looking at my wife or a girlfriend at the time, I was like, baby, I don't have money to pay rent. And that was a very, very challenging moment of my life because I really thought you would leave me that day. I really thought that that's it. My life is ending. But that day, like I remember so clearly how she, she came and she stood behind me because I was crying. Like I just like giving up on life. I didn't know what to do. And I told her, maybe I need to go get a job. And she says, oh, no, you're an entrepreneur. You know, stick with it. I still have a job. She had a job in the banking industry, but she was making like, you know, 600 bucks a month. And that was not enough to pay rent. And uh, she had her own debts and all that. And it was amazing that uh, for a few months, we kind of just struggled and struggled and struggled, couldn't really pay rent. I managed to somehow negotiate with the landlord to just believe in me. And then an opportunity came to go to a Tony Robbins event. Someone said, yeah, Tony is going to help you. I'm like, yeah, I like actually Tony. He's going to help me. Yes. And the opportunity was to go to a Tony Robbins event in London. And I was living in Moscow at the time. I looked into it. and I was like, oh, my God. $2,000 for the ticket for both of us, the flights, the hotels, all of this stuff. I was like, where the hell am I going to get $4,000 right now when I didn't have money to pay for rent? And I kind of gave up. And then this one guy said, no, 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 come on, man. Like, there has to be a way. Let me connect you with a friend of a friend. Maybe you can find a way to become a promoter. I had no idea what that means. At that time, I had an HR company. I had a juice bar. I had a small restaurant. I had a, a mobile app company. All of them were struggling to make money. All of them were not making money to give me, basically. I had, nothing, I had no knowledge of promoting international events, of educational tourism, uh, of bringing people from one country to another. It's not a completely different business. But again, as an entrepreneur, I was like, let me try. Connected with a few different people, I managed to connect with Success Resources, who's the biggest company in the world for educational events, still is today. Today, of course, I'm very good friends with the owners. I'm the biggest partner they've ever had um, historically in their company. And I said to them, I really want to become a promoter, blah, blah, blah. They said, you need to bring a couple of hundred people. I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. They said, okay, if you bring 25 people, well, actually, no. They said, if you bring 20 people, we can give you and your wife a free ticket as long as you promise that you will try to grow the year later. I said, yes, 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 of course. We'll grow to hundreds a year later. But just allow us. So 20 people would give my wife and I a free ticket as promoters. Got very excited. Started selling tickets. Forgot 
that we actually don't have money for the flight and the hotel and understood that if we got to 25 people, we'd be able to afford the flights, the hotels, enough food to live in London for one week and see what happens. And that was like all out, man. We had no money to come back to it. We went all out with these 25 people. We got all these incredible pictures of my wife sitting on my shoulders. We, go, we went crazy. We went all out because, listen, we had nothing to lose. It was that or it's giving up. It's going bankrupt. It's going to get a job. And I think that entrepreneurs should never give up on their beliefs. They should never give up on their passions. They should never give up on themselves. And we went and it was amazing. And that experience was incredible. And when we came back, it was such a good experience that I was like, wow, we have to somehow find money. We have to, we have to get more tickets. We have to bring more people. And, you know, when I came back to Moscow, things just started popping up. Like suddenly I got a job as a head coach in the number one university in Russia. Suddenly coaching clients came to me. Suddenly I was in the right vibe. I was able to focus. Out of those nine companies that I had, I walked away from five of them just saying, listen, guys, good luck. It's your company. I have zero interest in shares. It's okay. You don't owe me any money. I just, I had the right sort of flow in my life, which is important for an entrepreneur to be in a good flow. I had good focus. I had motivation. I had inspiration. Now, the most incredible thing is I didn't have enough money to suddenly go out and buy a lot more Tony Robbins tickets. But I remember this day very clearly. It was a Friday evening. I come home from work. My wife sits on the sofa, looks like something is wrong. She said, I made a big mistake. Uh, don't be upset with me. Please come and sit down. I'm, you know, young Jewish boy. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? I don't want more bad news. Please, I can't handle more shit right now. Things have been going well for us. She says, please, please sit down. I made a mistake. And she tells me, I didn't tell you, but over the last six years while I was working in the bank, my parents always taught me as a good Russian girl to save money and buy a house one day. Like, what do you mean? She's like, I've been saving money and I didn't tell you, I took all the money and I bought 200 tickets for Tony Robbins event. So the only thing oh I God. said to her in that, in that point that I remember clear is like, that's the Jewish in me. Oh my God, please tell me you negotiated. Uh, and she started laughing and she said, no, no, it's okay. It's not finished yet. We can go and negotiate, but I already committed the 200 tickets. I paid him some money, a deposit and long story short, the next year, we brought 200 tickets. The year after, we brought 400 people. The year after, we brought 1,200 people. And that put us in the number one position in the world. No one has ever been able to bring more than 700 people to a Tony Robbins event from an international partner. We brought from Russia 1,200 people to a London event. The year after, we brought 3,000. And the year after, we brought Tony Robbins to Russia. And with some partners, we put 26,000 people in front of him. Um, that put me on the same stage as Tony. You know, at that stage, I was already meeting up with Tony after events. He knew who I was very well. That year, he invited me to his home and just said, listen, what you did, no one has been, ever been able to do. Let's talk about how we can make more good things happen in the world. And since then, you know, like, just... I've, it's not just Tony that I've built a relationship with because Tony is an incredible human being that's doing so much for the world. You know, he's given more than 500 million meals just last year. This year, he's surpassed that by a lot. But I've been able to build relationships with his network. And that is the power of networking. It's not just networking with you, Alex. But if I want to build a relationship with you or anyone that's listening, want to build a relationship with you, 
They shouldn't just jump on you because you're a busy guy. They should jump into your network and see how they can add value to your community, see how they can add value to your team. And I got to know his family members. I got to know his team. I got to know his leading community members in the platinum group. And I was just adding value and adding value and serving. And because of that, you know, we managed to grow a multi-million dollar business. I managed to grow as a speaker myself, as a high-end coach. And I'm very grateful to him and everybody in his community for who I've become today. That's an incredible story. And uh, thank you for sharing this story. Um, something also piqued my interest when you were talking. And um, uh, you went from not having anything. You, you went from almost losing your apartment or almost losing pretty much everything you had. You had yeah. failing businesses and you took a leap of faith. Um, and that leap of faith was one project, one association. Uh, what can you say to our audience of aspiring entrepreneurs, people who maybe are looking to start something new or people who are coming uh, from a failing type of an experience. What can you say about taking a risk, taking a so leap Alex, of faith? This, yeah, this question is so much more powerful than anyone can imagine. And I, I think you understand how deep, spiritually deep this question actually is where when someone wants to become that entrepreneur, they've had enough of the corporate industry. I had enough of my boss. So I had enough of this company. I want something else. Like I want change in life. I want more freedom. I want to make a difference. Like, you know, it's that moment where you feel it's not even your brain. It's not your heart. It's your gut. It's your gut feeling that just steps up and say, that's it. That's enough. I, I want more out of life. In that moment, most people make a mistake when they think I need to do it alone. Or even worse, I need to do it with my husband or with my wife. Mm -mm -mm. I need to find another entrepreneur who's doing something similar and work with them. That is the focus. The focus is when you have that feeling of wanting to become a leading entrepreneur, doesn't mean that you need to do it alone. It doesn't mean that it's only your responsibility. It doesn't mean that it's all on your back and your shoulders. It means that you need to collaborate. You need to partner up with other people. Don't go get a job. Find another entrepreneur that you can complement. And that is the power of a real entrepreneur, creating collaboration matrices. And this has been, you know, what has led me to become who I am today is I've been able to create a lot of successful partners, not just for myself, but as a coach today. I help entrepreneurs all over the world create partnerships, strategic partnerships for them. Every entrepreneur out there, every human being has talents. And what they should do is whether they believe in karma and it's finding a karmic, karmic partner, whether they believe in serendipity and they just go out there networking, looking for people that compliment themselves, or whether they just understand that alone, they will not be able to achieve anything in their life. I don't believe anyone could truly achieve much in their life. We need strategic partners. We need clients. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, you know, collaboration is not something that people need to become great at. Partnership is not something that people are born with. It's something that people get experienced with. Myself being able to, you know, write a book about networking and teaching networking and, you know, over 500 companies and, you know, 
hundreds of stages around the world. I've been called a networking guru on the front cover of many magazines, but I was not born that way. I was born an introvert, and I still am an introvert. Since the age of 10, I've been an immigrant in Canada, and then again an immigrant at the age of 20 in England, and then again an immigrant at the age of 30 in Russia, and then again an immigrant at the age of 38 in Singapore, and then again here in Bali. And every single time I had to start all over again. What I've understood, that partnerships and collaboration is just about being able to not mind building relationships with other human beings where you rely on them, you choose to trust them, you serve them without expectations. You serve them with appreciation a lot more. And I, I believe, at least from my experience, that there is nothing truly beautiful that I could achieve in my life without another human being. You know, I cannot, uh, I've never, I would never be able to learn how to cook unless I was inspired by other human beings. I would never be able to uh, start up a business unless I was inspired by goals that I've seen others achieve. Every single thing we could do in life is somehow relating to another human being, inspiring us, motivating us, supporting us, pushing us, something. Which means that if there is an entrepreneur out there who really wants to do something, instead of going out there and just doing it themselves, find another entrepreneur who's currently doing it and maybe they're three to five steps ahead of you and work with them for six months or a year. Serve them. Learn from someone who's a few steps ahead of you and you don't have to call them a mentor, but treat them as a mentor. Respect them as a mentor. People like Tony Robbins and Jay Abraham, Keith Ferrazzi, Brian Tracy, these people have been mentors for me since a very early age, since my late teens. But they were mentors from a distance because I believed in them. I loved them. I followed them on social media. I listened to them. I try to get inspired and model their, their, their values. And today, I'm able to call any of them. I'm able to get an email back from Brian Tracy within 24 hours. I'm able to call someone like Jay Abraham and Keith Ferrazzi and get on a call with them within 24 hours. Tony Robbins, I can't really call right away. He's a very, very busy man. But if, if I needed to, I can get, you know, I can get communication with him. And it took years until I was able to do that. And I think that's the biggest message for entrepreneurs out there is don't just try to solo create, co-create co-elevate with other people and find other people that inspire you because they have similar dreams and goals that you do. Excellent. Excellent um, passage here. And um, I think it's really important. I think you said something very important, which is um, find the mentor, listen to others, partner with others. There's so many people out there that take more than they give or they do before they listen, or they act before they at least look at the failures failures of others. Um, how important is it to pay forward in entrepreneurship? How important is it to give before you get, um, only because, uh, you know, a lot of folks are struggling with this, you know, with the balance of how much time do you invest? How much money do you invest? Uh, how much do you invest into a friendship or partnership or, um, you know, or a session with Tony Robbins, for example, before you begin to do something meaningful or before you simply begin to make money? So how important is yeah. it to give before you get? So, you know, it, it's such, again, I love your questions, Alex. They're very, very deep. And, the, you know, the answers are not short because, 
you know, example with Tony Robbins, people show up at his events. They pay five, $800 to an event. They show up and they start complaining that they don't understand everything. They start complaining that there's not enough breaks for me to go for lunch. They start complaining that Tony is speaking too quickly. They start complaining that I, I don't believe I can get all these results. And they're complaining from a, a position of fear. And I completely understand. I've been in that position. I've been in that position where it was easier to blame someone else. It was easier to say to that fitness instructor, hey, I'm paying you money to get me into shape. Get me into shape. But if my head and my heart is not there when I'm working out, my body is not going to get into shape. It's not that I can get my fitness trainer to work out for me. I need to put my shoes on and get to the gym. That's not the easy part. You know, people are saying, I want to go on a diet, but without, you know, but they constantly cheat and they, you know, they constantly cheat on themselves. People said, you know, I want to find a, a good employee and they bring in a good employee, but they treat them like a slave, not like someone who is not just working for me, but remember that when you're hired, and this is something I keep on reminding myself because I'm far from perfect at this, you know, I'm constantly making mistakes and anyone who's listening can easily go out there on the web and find my defaults and find my, my faults, not my defaults, my faults and my imperfections. I have so many of them because I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly learning how not to, you know, how not to make these stupid mistakes that we make as human beings and how not to allow myself to, you know, to make judgment too quickly or to make a decision too quickly. Now, as an entrepreneur, it's important to create a balance between being a perfectionist and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting until we have the perfect product in order to launch it, which is unhealthy. As an entrepreneur, we must launch an MVP as soon as possible, a minimum viable product, and then learn and pivot and ask for advice and ask for criticism and learn how we could do things better and ask our customers. You know, one of my great mentors and friends, Bob Dorf, co-author a book uh, called The Customer Development Methodology, which taught you about at any given point, if you want to start a business or develop a business, go and speak to 100 customers or potential customers and ask them. And based on their answers, that is what you should be doing because you don't really know what your customers want. It doesn't matter how good of an entrepreneur you are. You must listen to others. So I think for entrepreneurs out there who are afraid, I get you guys. You know, I get you people. I'm, I'm still afraid sometimes, but because I failed so many times, I've come to learn that failure doesn't hurt that much. And it's the same thing with kids. You know, I got three little kids right now. And when I had my first daughter, she's only four years old and I didn't want her to fall and I didn't want her to run too quickly. And today, you know, my, my second boy is a son. He's two years old. Oh my God, when he runs, I look away sometimes because I'm afraid I know he's going to fall and he's going to cry for 10 seconds and that's it, you know? As an entrepreneur, it's the same. When we fall, it actually doesn't hurt that much. When you have no money in the bank, that's when the perseverance sometimes kicks in. That's when your passion really kicks in when you're like, I'm not going to give up on myself. But asking people for help is what teaches you to be humble. It teaches you that other people have gone through this mistake and they don't mind sharing. And there is that balance between give and take. You know, I've learned that uh, the giver's gain 
philosophy is really there that when I meet people, for example, at an event, I'll give, give, give before I expect anything in return. So one of my philosophies now, and I teach this a lot in my, my, my workshop, is that when I meet a new person, or even if I meet them a second or third time, my mindset is right away, what could I learn and what could I give? Right away. It's not, what could this person give me? Can this person become a client? Can this person somehow make a difference in my life? It's more about, what could I learn? So it's like, I'm turning on my curious mindset. Like, let, let's, let me try, let me work on being inspired by this person. It's not that they need to inspire me. Let me be inspired by them. Let me learn from them. So I'll ask them good questions. And then let me turn on my, how can I serve this person? How can I suggest the book, recommend someone else? Just be in service to them. And that has helped me so much in my life. And it's just not just my mindset. And it's, it's a lot of people's mindsets, especially if they're successful and they're happy. Um, you know, maybe not every rich person in the world will believe in that, but most happy people that are successful, I know, believe in that because I know many of people like that. Um, very inspiring, very inspiring and very thoughtful of you to share this with us. Um, we're almost running out of time. And I, I, first of all, I'd like to suggest that, and if you don't mind, that we do a couple of more sessions uh, like these a couple of more interviews, maybe one more, maybe a couple of more. It's going to be up to you. But um, there are so many amazing topics to discuss with you. For example, we talked about being a digital nomad, being um, the, the world citizen and not really caring where you are in the world, especially at times like these, obviously with your preference, um, but not really caring uh, where you may be as long as you can deliver, as long as you can deliver knowledge, you can deliver sharing, you can deliver uh, passion, you know, and so forth. So that's a great topic that, that we want to definitely discuss. And another topic that we want to talk about, and I would like to ask you to talk about, is um, the um, personal branding. I think it's on, on everybody's mind. Uh, I think with COVID, uh, and maybe we'll discuss it now, what COVID showed us is that all of a sudden people wanted to be out there digitally, right? Socially. Mm. They had no mm. choice for that matter. They had no choice, right? And all of a sudden they realized that if they do not have that personal brand, if they don't possess that recognition, um, they may not be, they may be simply lost in the sea, in the ocean of content, in the ocean of Zoom sessions in the ocean of videos and and podcasts in the in the in the sea of interviews and so forth and they began to struggle or they begin to struggle with their differentiation with their personal brand what do they stand for you know and so forth so the question then becomes uh what what can you do what can one do to promote their personal brand in the situation we're in right now which is covid where everybody is now using Zoom. Everybody is now recording something. Everybody is now talking about something or writing a blog post or trying to reach somebody. The mm -hmm. amount the amount of LinkedIn inquiries into my LinkedIn, and I don't consider myself, you know, a famous person or anything else like that. But the amount of uh, the amount of traffic, all of a sudden, is just outstanding. So, any any parting thoughts on the personal brand? 
Yeah, so you mentioned some really important stuff. You know, the personal branding stuff is definitely a part of being a global citizen as well because, you know, I, uh, I've, I've managed to somehow live almost a decade of my life in every country. As I briefly mentioned before, 10 years in Israel is where I started. And then 10 in Canada, almost 10 in England, 10 in Russia, a couple of years in Singapore. And Bali was um, almost like a mistake that became a gift because Bali was a big part of our brand. We came here on vacation for a couple of months with the family. And then when COVID hit, I kind of looked at my wife and I'm like, well, you know, we, we were pregnant at the time. We just had a baby a couple of weeks ago. And we understood that um, going back to Singapore during COVID maybe was not the best choice for us, even though Singapore is one of the most incredible places in the world. I love it very, very much. For us at that stage, Bali was better. And I think that's a big part of the brand because a part of the brand is who and what you associate yourself with. And, you know, a huge part of what I do with, uh, with entrepreneurs and corporate, uh, corporate leaders out there in the world is I take them through networking audits and I help them understand how strategically they can actually work within their network and actually can affiliate with other networks by merging communities and merging ecosystems. Now, I've done this with governments, multiple governments around the world. I've done this with, you know, 100 plus massive corporations around the world. And of course, I've done it with over 100,000 entrepreneurs in big and small events. And what I've always learned that the personal branding, who you are, is not just who you choose to be because the man you see today is a man that I created. This man did not exist. English is not my first language. English is my third language. English is not a language I ever really learned in school. It's a language I picked up from TV and from a lot of practicing and networking. So the man that you see in front of me today is the man that I created because based on values, based on mentors, based on what I think and still believe is right. Now, the man you see in front of me today is not a perfect man because I'm still not done. I'm still in the process of, you know, molding myself to be a great father and a great husband, as a great mentor, as a great businessman, as a great community leader, as a great philanthropist. I'm a social entrepreneur. I do a lot for Bali. So it's really important for everyone out there to choose as a human being, not just what are my values, but who and what am I associating myself with? Just because I have an iPhone doesn't mean I'm cool. Just because I'm healthy doesn't mean I'm really healthy. Am I happy? Am I serving? Am I doing charity? Am I feeding people during difficult times? So being a digital nomad is actually not how I brand myself because I think that some digital nomads are people that are maybe like they're a freelancer. There's someone that can work on their own. They have one suitcase. They can pick up themselves and move around. I'm more of a global citizen because... I got three kids. I got a wife. I got a couple of helpers working with us. I got a big house, but I could pick up my family and leave tomorrow if I had to. And because I've trained myself and I've helped many, many entrepreneurs and many people out there to train themselves how to lift anchors and build a brand new network around you very quickly. And this is something that I've done. And now I've learned how to teach others. How can you lift yourself up and choose a country that's good for you? Choose a country that's good for your family because of the culture, because of the language. We chose Bali because of the ecosystem. It's a very healthy place. Incredible fruits. Imagine, Alex, twice a week. I have 15 different kind of fruits being delivered to my house from farms that are within a couple of hours away from my house. From farm to table, I don't go to the supermarket anymore. I want to deliver to my 15 different fruits. All of them are local. Imagine how healthy I eat. Imagine the sort of 
you know, diversity of nature. Now, I like nature, even though I've been a city boy for more than 20 years, I love nature myself. I love being surrounded by nature. I love having water around me because as an Aries, I have a lot of fire inside of me. So it calms me down. But Bali is maybe not for everyone. You know, if you don't like having a couple of geckos and lizards around your house, and if you don't like ants somehow here and there, then Bali is not for you. You need to be okay with nature. But what I, the message out there for people is choose the place that's, that's right for you. Please don't be stuck in an apartment for the next few months because we might go into another quarantine. We never know. We might happen again. We never know. Be in a place where you're comfortable. Be in a place where you feel like you can flourish and you could serve the world and make a better life for yourself. That's incredible. You know, as I'm listening to you, I am imagining another interview where we not only talk about lifting yourself geographically, but also lifting yourself career-wise, lifting yourself up um, uh, network-wise, and and really training yourself. And I believe a lot of folks will listen to you and say, you know what, I would love to attend one of the uh, one of the workshops that that Gil, Gil Pitasil is um, uh, teaching someplace because that experience of losing everything or losing something and then moving to a new place with the mission of giving before receiving, with the mission of sharing before taking, with the mission of living a full life and understanding the surroundings, being multicultural, being multifaceted, being diverse, and lifting yourself from whatever it is you're doing, right? And quickly or somewhat quickly, reprogramming yourself into doing something else, which is relevant, mm. right? The world, the word mm. I love, absolutely love, and the word that's on my website in many places is relevant and relevancy. Because if Beautiful. you're not relevant, if you, if you, Gil Pitasil, cannot be relevant to your surroundings in Bali, then your experience is probably not going to be very fulfilling, right? And, 100%. And, and that, 100%. That, that's what I want to discuss with you more of because I think it's going to be extremely inspiring to not only our audience, but many audiences out there in the world. So uh, Yeah, happy to do that, Alex. The easiest thing is, you know, so first of all, I love your questions very, very much. I love to serve your audience more. Uh, I'd love to get to know your audience more. So what I would say is if you're listening to this right now and you want more of this, send me a message on LinkedIn or on Instagram and tell me, I listened to you with, with Alex at the Global Edge Talk. I want more. Tell me what you want more of. I'll make sure and come back to Alex's team as well. Tell them what you want more of. I'm happy to come back and, you know, answer those questions. And Alex, if you want, you know, some of the audiences, they really, really want. We could even do a little session on Zoom and bring in some of your key audiences. You know, those who apply and they want to come on Zoom and they want to ask the questions live. I love doing these kind of things. You know, I'm spending at least 30% of my time right now serving the world. I don't want anything in return except helping people go through challenging times because I'm not done going through challenging times. It's not like my life is great, you know. I've been in the tourism business and in the events business for the last 10 years. My business went from millions to hundreds of dollars within 24 hours. I had to recuperate. I had to pivot. I had to adjust myself. I had to become creative. I had to reach out to mentors. So I'd like to serve people out there so they can go through these tough times as well. Absolutely. Um, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart once again for sharing some... uh, amazing ideas and some amazing uh, tenets 
um, and would love to come back in the near future and do another session, do another interview. Uh, by the way, we will be posting links. We will be posting information about Gil. We will be posting a lot of the videos, pictures, like we always do. And we will absolutely encourage any type of inquiry uh, to Gil directly uh, about anything that you would like to maybe hear in the future. Or maybe there is something that's very urgent and you would like to have Gil uh, weigh in on some of those types of um, uh, issues or problems or, or objectives you may have. So once again, thank you for being with us. And until the next time. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, everyone.